0: Good morning, welcome to the Neighborhood Church Livestream. My name is Jen Ashby, and I was scheduled to be sharing this morning with our team about the Paris mission trip. We would have been just back this week. We would have been giving you that report today, but that plan was disrupted. And I was scheduled to go a little later this week to Georgia for my nephew John's college graduation, go dogs, but that plan was also disrupted. I was scheduled to go in a couple weeks to Illinois for my sister Kathy's retirement recognition and celebration. But that plan was, that's right, disrupted. And every single one of you has a list like this of disrupted plans. Dear ones, I see you. I know about some of those disrupted plans and I'm disappointed with you. Any new plans we're trying to make seem very sketchy And tentative, we can't really count on them or trust them yet because there are still so many uncertainties. In fact, today there may be just one undisrupted plan. And that is God's big picture plan. And so that's our topic for today. Trust in God's plan. On the Bible timeline, we are in the book of Romans in the era that we call missions, and the Apostle Paul is writing to some Christians in Rome, people that he hasn't met yet in a place he has not gone yet. Some of those Christians are from a Jewish background, some are from a Gentile background. And today we're going to look at all of Romans 9 and the first part of Romans 10. And in this fairly long passage, Paul's going to cover pretty much everything on the Bible timeline. So. We're not gonna read the passage in its entirety. We're just gonna hit some high points, but today would be an especially good day to follow along in the notes that were provided to you uh, in this morning's email. If you're not on that distribution list, you can find them on the Uversion app if you click events and then click neighborhood church. God's plan is sure. God's plan is sure. It seems like the Christians in Rome We're questioning whether God was really staying true to the plan that he had laid out or whether he was somehow taking a hard left and changing the plan. And so they're wondering, wait, aren't the Jews the chosen people of God? Aren't all of the Jews saved? But now you're saying not all the Jews are saved, but some are, and some Gentiles are saved, but not all of them. Like, what was all of this about up until now? And Paul is walking them through the events of the Old Testament, the words of the Old Testament prophets, and demonstrating that while Israel, while the Jews are chosen by God, in a sense, God chose to reveal himself to them. God chose to come in flesh as one of them in Jesus. But this has never been just about what kind of blood runs through your veins or what kind of external religious acts one performs. This has always been about faith in God. A key verse in 1 to 13 is Romans 9, 6. It is not as though God's word had failed for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. It is not as though God's word has failed. God's not going back on his promise. He's not changing the plan. This has always been true that not everyone with Jewish blood is automatically part of God's family. Not all of the people group that we think of as Israel will be saved and with God forever. Truly being part of God's family has always been about faith. Check out Hebrews 11 for a long list of Old Testament examples. Notice that at least one of those people isn't Jewish. The passage in Romans is about God's big plan for salvation, but there are some principles here that I think apply to the relatively smaller plans of our lives. Sometimes we feel like God's plan's a little shaky or he isn't coming through on his promises. And when we feel that way, we may just need to wait a little longer for it to play out or we may need to step back and see if we've really understood the plan and the promises correctly. Is it possible that we took something that God said in his word or by his spirit, took it out of context? Is it possible that we took something that God said by his word or by his spirit and we added our own specifics to it that he never really said? I relate to these Christians in Rome When I said yes to Jesus at the age of 12, I thought that I understood the plan for the Christian life. And I thought that if I followed that plan, things would more or less fall into place. And so I didn't do it perfectly, but I more or less followed the plan for the Christian life. And then when I was 22, within just a few months, my dad died, my mom moved. The man I thought I was gonna marry married somebody else. Many of my college friends scattered after our college graduation and very few things were falling into place. And I was so disoriented. Had God's word failed? Had he abandoned the plan? Was he not fulfilling his promises? None of that was the case. I just hadn't really understood his word, his plan and his promises. And it took me a long time (laughs) to get reoriented around the reality that God's actual plan is absolutely sure. And I can trust it. God's plan is sure and God's plan is good. It's good. It seems like the Christians in Rome were questioning whether God's plan was good, whether God himself was good or just or fair. I mean, if some people get into God's family and some people don't, is that good? Is that fair? A key verse in 14 to 18 is Romans 9, 14. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. What we have to remember is that no one deserves to be welcomed into God's family. That's what the earlier parts of Romans were about. If you'll recall, no one's earned it. No one's entitled to it. God doesn't owe anyone anything. The theme in these five verses is God's mercy. In the NIV translation, you'll see the English word mercy five times in five verses. It's by God's mercy. By his goodness, then he makes a way for anyone to enter into his family. God is good and his plan is good. Now, if you're reading these verses on your own, I don't want you to get stuck on this reference to Pharaoh in Exodus. You remember this story when Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go and Pharaoh doesn't and there are terrible consequences. And in the midst of that, the scripture says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so here in Romans, it seems like these Roman Christians were wrestling with this reality is a God who hardens someone's heart and then punishes him for it good. Is that fair? But when you look really closely at the story in Exodus, what you will find is an example of what Paul talks about in Romans one where it says that some people are so determined to sin, they are so determined to be their own God, even after many invitations and opportunities to change. And then it says in Romans one, so God gave them over to their own sinful desires. And that's what happened with Pharaoh. He was so bent on evil, even after these miraculous demonstrations of God's reality. Eventually God gave him over to his own passions. And that doesn't mean God isn't good or fair. He's more than fair, he's merciful. Again, this whole passage in Romans is really about God's big plan for salvation, but some of these principles also apply to the more specific plans in our lives. What is it like to trust God's plan, to trust that it's sure and it's good, when the plan isn't clear yet. Let's listen to this from Miriam and Andrew Black.
1: Hey Neighborhood Church, I'm Andrew.
2: And I'm Miriam. And
1: we're reporting to you live, sort of, uh, from the guest room of our house, which is now Miriam's makeshift office. And Jen asked us to talk uh, a little bit this morning about actively waiting for God's plan, what it is like to be in that process of not knowing what your next steps are going to be, but at the same time trusting that what God has in store for us is sure uh, and good. Um, and what we're going through with our family uh, situation right now over the past year um, is, is really making us think a lot about this these days. So
2: for those of you that don't know, I'm a neuroscientist and I have been doing uh, the final piece of my training at the NIH, which is part of the reason that we came to Maryland. And in the last several months, I've started to look for my next job as a professor at a university and running my own research lab. And this is a very, very drawn out and long process um, and very competitive. So for a single position, it's likely that then Institute will receive 300 applications. Um, So in the fall, I put my applications into the universities and throughout the winter, I had the opportunity to interview and this is all over the country. Um, And generally speaking in the springtime would be second interviews and second visits. And obviously that's been put on hold now. Um, But for us, not knowing where our family is going to be in the next year, not knowing where um, where we're physically going to be located, not knowing the jobs that we're going to be doing, has been an incredibly stressful and anxiety-provoking time. Um, and without the knowledge that God has a plan and that God's plan is going to come to fulfillment, and the fact that we just need to trust in Him, um, I think we would be incredibly lost in this season. And we have uh, just been time and time again reverting back to the, to the reminder, to the idea that, that God has a plan, that before we were even born, God knew how our lives were going to unfold, um, and that his plan for us is good. And so in this time of unknown, in this time of anxiety, um, we just keep reminding ourselves over and over again about the fact that we are listening for God's voice in this. Um, and I know that these days, a lot of people might be feeling a lot of anxiety and a lot of unknowns with the the virus that's that's going around, and um, I just encourage you to remind to remember that God has a larger plan here. God knew about this before it even started, um, and His plan is sure, and His plan is good. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to talk about experiences that you've been through, and you can the are all tied up in a neat little bow and you can say, Oh, I saw God working there and this is what he did. It's a little bit harder to share when you're in the middle of a time of uncertainty and unknown. Um, and I just, I just really encourage all of you to remind yourselves as we're reminding ourselves that, that, that God's plan is good.
1: So keep a listen out. He's talking to you. You may not realize it at the time, but he's opening and closing doors and talking to you through all of these uncertain times. Uh, And we're praying right there along with you. So have a great day and hang in there.
0: Thank you, Miriam and Andrew. It's challenging to trust in God's plan when it's not clear yet. And that's part of what makes this next piece so true. God's plan is sure. God's plan is good. And God's plan is God's. Some of the Christians in Rome didn't like the idea that God was saving some people they didn't think deserved to be saved. Some of them were not real psyched that God was welcoming into the family some people that they didn't really want in the family. And God says to them, this is not your call. You are not in charge. A key verse here is Romans 9:20. But who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? Show what is formed, say to him who formed it, why did you make me like this? It goes on here to talk about a metaphor as God is the potter and people as clay, but don't take the metaphor too far. Of course, you are more valuable to God than a lump of clay. We're called God's dearly beloved children. Jesus said, you're my friends. But the point here is that we're not equals with God. We're not peers. And God doesn't need our approval for his plans. This is very hard to swallow when we are absolutely sure that we know what is best. And God does not seem to be jumping on board to make it happen. Less than three years ago, my mom was at the end of her life. And by God's grace, I had basically come to terms with this idea that it's through the cross that resurrection comes. It is through death that new life comes for the believer. So the key people were there with my mom and we said what we needed to say, but then this situation went on longer than expected. And as the days and the nights wore on, one of the many things that I felt was such Anger with God for not just taking her. I could not see any real reason for him not to end the suffering for her and for us. And in one of these moments, I was just coming out of my skin. And I heard God rebuke me, not harshly, but clearly and firmly. And I heard God say, the way of the cross isn't quick. In other words, sometimes God's ways aren't quick. His timeline is not our timeline. And we don't get to determine the timeline. Because while God's plan is sure and God's plan is good, God's plan is also gods. Finally, God's plan is a person. And if you only remember one thing from all of this, this is what I want you to remember. God's word is a person. That's what I didn't understand when I was 22. That's what I forget sometimes now at 46. God, God's plan is a person. It's not a system or an outline, or a blueprint, or a class you take. It is also not some mysterious, ethereal idea that we have to figure out. God's plan is a very tangible, very real person. The plan is not about what blood runs through your veins or what kind of religious rituals you do or don't do. God's plan is Jesus. And that's how this passage in Romans ends. The key verse here is Romans ten four. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. God's plan is the person of Jesus Christ. In the words of the creed, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, He was crucified, dead and buried. And on the third day, he arose from the grave. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God, the father almighty. And from there, he will return to judge the living and the dead. That's God's plan for salvation, big picture. And that's God's plan for us through this pandemic. The plan is Jesus. The plan is following him closely. The plan is learning to recognize his footsteps and walk in them, learning to hear his voice and to heed it quickly. That may be the only undisrupted plan that we have today. In John fourteen six, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. Jesus is the way across from sin and death to life with God. You don't need to know everything about Israel or Pharaoh or God's sovereignty or the stuff we talked about this morning. You do not need to know it all or understand it. You don't even need to like it. All you need is to say yes to Jesus as the way and no to any other way. And if today's the first day, that you're recognizing and deciding Jesus isn't just the way, Jesus is my way, (laughs) that's the way I'm taking. If today's a day when you're crossing that kind of threshold, I'd love for you to let me know because I just want to encourage you in it and I promise I won't make it weird. If you don't already have a way to reach me, you can find me at jen.ashby at neighborhoodc.org. Let's pray together. God, you are sure you are faithful and true and unwavering in your promises. We honor you, God, you are good. You are merciful and kind and benevolent toward us. You are good even when things around us aren't good or even when things around us are confusing. God, you are God, and there is no one beside you or above you. You are Lord of lords and King of kings. You are the creator and the sustainer of the universe and of our lives. You hold the universe in the span of your hand. We honor you as a great God, and we recognize that your ways are higher than our ways. Jesus, we acknowledge today that you are the way. You are the way of salvation and you are the way for us through this pandemic. You're not just the way, you're my way, Jesus. You're our way. You're our truth and you are our life. Many of us in this season, we are itching for a plan. Even people who don't think of themselves as planners want a plan. We don't all agree on what the plan should be or how quickly it should move, but we're dying for some clarity for the future. May we find that clarity in you. You're the way, the truth, the life. And we honor you. We take that way this morning. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.